welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts, Adam Hoy and Jared Mutton. Let's kick off. Hello and welcome into the 6EN podcast. Joining me once again is my brother Kieran, all the way from Brisbane. I was trying to think of the right town then, Brisbane or Gold Coast. We'll go Brisbane. South Brisbane. South How are you going, guys? Yeah, pretty well. Thanks for asking. Um, welcome into 6EN podcast. Like I said, if you're a new listener, welcome in. If you're a regular, welcome back. It's been close to a week and a half between episodes. Um, Regular co-host Jared's still off. Congratulations. He and his girlfriend have had their baby uh, that they're expecting, little Ali. Um, everyone's doing well. They're still in the hospital, just recovering. But good work, Jared. Congratulations to yourself and Kalisha. Um, Congrats, mate. Yeah, I asked if he wanted to come on, but, yeah, like I said, he's still in the hospital. So that's awesome news. Uh, they got a little baby girl, so he's going to be busy, busy, busy. Um, just a heads up. It definitely any, is. Enjoy yes, it. he's definitely going to be busy. Just a heads up. Anyone new? Uh, in all our bios, we do have links to the Twitter and Facebook pages. That's where we're most active. And thank you for those all reaching out and getting in touch with the show through the week, and definitely giving us some stuff to talk about on this episode. So we have a bunch of stuff to go through, um, from all stars through to preseason trials, and then a bunch of club stuff but we'll start with the big news of the day which is the first day of the ashes and how good was it oh man it was sensational i was i mean looking forward to the ashes for a long time and then oh, yes. i had to make sure i watched the first ball and i was very happy i did watch that first ball oh man and then the next seven hours of cricket i was watching yeah. it work the whole time i would in a group chat with texting each other and i had my ipad set up on my uh, on my desk, watching it all, loving it. And then you sent me a photo of the bloody projector. So I was like, oh, the screen's a little bit bigger than mine, but it looks awesome. It was so good because it's the third last day of school. So we, it was PE's day on. So we had the kids down at the local pool for the first half of the day. And we had all the kids in there settled down. The head of department's about to go through the instructions of the day. And I was just over to the side. And he's like, all right, everybody. And then he would have heard this, yes just looked around i was like starkey bowled in first ball of the day <laughs> and then so he said that over the mic and for the next two and a half hours was kind of supervising while watching on the phone and then got back to school and yeah inside our sports hall massive projector screen we had that on and just played cricket inside the sports hall for like two the last two periods like two and a bit hours it was freaking just Wicked after that wicked. Was great, Brilliant. awesome performance by the Aussies today. I had pretty much no answers, and Josh Butler and Ollie Pope, you know, try to up the run rate to put us on the back foot and Wokes, but try to try to get some scores in there. But it's good. No one scored over thirty nine was a high score. Oh, so I can't, can't believe he's made in Test wicket as well. Sensational. Yeah. I just you got Pat Cummins in. You've got a debutante captain with all the lead up that Australia's had to go through with all the Tim Payne stuff. Joe yeah. Root wins the toss and here's an opportunity to put a young new captain under pressure. 
and he decides to bat on an overcast oh, on a green could... pitch in overcast conditions the... in Brisbane. Yeah, the greenest uh, pitch the Gabba's delivered. And I was saying it was drying up towards the end of the day as well. So hopefully tomorrow it'll be a good batting surface. But I can't believe he chose to bowl uh, to yeah. bat either. I, I thought I thought we must have lost. Uh, we must have won the toss when I saw it. Well, not they elected to bat. Are you kidding me? And then the swing oh, on just... Mitchie Stark's first ball just oh that just um, obviously got our whole team energized and they bowled awesome from there. Well, he was the only one really under pressure in the Australian team, I think, is Stark with his most recent performances. And yeah, there's a little bit of congestion who's going to be back five, but I don't think either of the those two guys won't come out under pressure. But, yeah, Stark has been. And didn't I have just, a good performance in the T20 World Cup. I've got to say, like, lucky for him, um, Rory Burns must be out of form because... He's, Nine times out of ten, bad. that ball is hit for four. And yeah. yes, he had the swing on it, which saved him um, from a pretty poor delivery to start with, but he does that. But how can you go out as an opener and not be prepared to face pace? And you know how fast start can bowl. And he was just late on it, just completely missed it. And then heard his leg yeah, stump like, get ripped out. It's so rare yeah, to see a first fast ball of bowler. The Oh, yeah. He's probably expecting, oh, should I play it? Should I leave it? Because he saw his front foot move towards the off stump. And yeah. then he, by the time he realized where it was going, it was too late. He couldn't get his front foot back and just play all around it and too fast. The last ball you think yes. you'll get is a half volley on leg stump. Then it just. Absolutely. That's a four ball any day. It was. And then it just, oh, wait, oh this is going to be our day. And we were playing in Cameron. I know this, this is a rugby league podcast, I promise. But we will get to it. Um, Cam Green came on and I was playing with Keeper inside the sports line. I said, this is the only selection I didn't agree with. I said, nothing against Cam Green. I would have just wanted six batsmen because our bowlers are good enough. And then literally his first ball, he got a wicket. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's one of those days. But um, He bowls 138Ks fast for an all-rounder. Yeah, that was probably the first short ball they'd seen. He just mistimed it. And yes. And then yep. Cummings getting Pfeiffer as captain. Just yeah, that was... They can't, awesome. I, had, I had money on uh, Hazelwood most wickets in the first innings because he was paying four bucks. I was like, that's pretty good. Not a lot of money. Yeah, um, but, two in his first stint. And then two catches. I was like, come on. But Cummings had yeah. five, so... Yeah, anyway, let's get to the footy. <laughs> if there's enough cricket for us to watch on Saturday when we're down there. Um, keep the rain covered. <laughs> All right, if you are an Indigenous uh, Torres Strait Islander or Maori person of heritage and you're a performer, um, hit up the NRL because they are looking for performers to take part in the All-Star Rugby League week as and especially on game day with regards to dance groups. So if that's something that, you know, someone who'd be interested in that or if you've got skills in that yourself, uh, head to the nrl.com website and there is an expression of interest form. So this is for performers and dance groups to perform at the Harvey Norman All-Stars Rugby League game on the 14th of January. So just giving a heads up to anyone who'd be keen on that. Um, we're going to start with another, yeah, we're going to start with another positive story. The NRL has launched a partnership with Special Olympics Australia, which is Unfortunately, probably a story a lot of people are going to miss, and it is a good news story. 
there's a lot of stuff going on in the world of sport. Didn't even talk about Formula One. I'm sure that will come up at some point. The NRL's partner with Special Olympics Australia to help broaden the game um, and be inclusive within itself while providing Special Olympics athletes access to the reach of the NRL. So this was announced on Thursday down at St. Lucy School in Warunga, and which specialises in special needs programs for primary and high school students. This is huge. Um, for those, the difference between Paralympics and Special Olympics, Paralympics are generally people with a physical disability, uh, generally, and Special Olympics are those with intellectual disabilities who um, have a separate, basically, classification with regards to physical activity. So generally, an organisation that lacks for sponsors, lacks for money, so the NRL partnership with them is huge on both accounts and showing that rugby league is a game that anyone can play, anyone can participate in, and anyone can be part of it, basically. Um, did you hear about this one at all, Kieran? I did not, and I can't even find it. So. No, no, that's what I mean. And these are the stories that should be front row and centre, but most of the stuff coming yeah, up absolutely. today is about the RLPA not wanting transfer windows and that sort of stuff, and we'll obviously get to that. Um, yeah. Well, it's negative stuff, which always dominates the high headlines, which is weird when a lot of these um, media people are behind the game of NRL and they love to make it look bad. But these good, these good stories need to be should be out uh, front and centre. Hundred percent. And uh, let's have a look here. They're talking to a, a young fella, Harry Werner. Uh, he completed at the Special Olympics after start out focusing on basketball in two thousand seven for adding temp in bowling, golf, and tennis. He's talking about his hero athlete, his Tom Trebojevic, boom, um, for his favourite Manly Seagulls, which is really cool. Um, but they're asking him about his proudest moment, and he said it was the 2014 National Games in Melbourne. He won a gold medal in basketball for New South Wales. So some awesome stories in the article. And Kennedy Charrington was down there as part of the uh, announcement. So she's the Eels NRLW player and international. So another good news story there. If you want to read some more of that, again, head to nrl.com and the heading is, it's in the NRL news section and another good article there by Chris Kennedy. All righty. Uh, what else we got here? Women's Maroon squad has been named for an extended, or their extended training squad's been named. And we talked about... Now the women were going to be getting the same match payments as the men. But if yeah. you miss that episode, it's broken into a different type of payment. So to qualify for the $15,000 match payments, you had to be named in this first extended squad and they'll get a portion of that $15,000 now. And the further you make it into the squad, the more money you get basically is how it's structured. So 34 players, they're coming together this Saturday on the 11th of December on the Gold Coast to begin working towards what's going to be a massive 2022 for the women's game. Two NRLW seasons, a QRL season, a state of origin, an NRL All-Stars and a Rugby League World Cup. So it's going to be pretty hectic, especially when pretty much all these girls uh, and ladies are also working at their regular jobs. Yeah, that's sensational. That's a massive year. Hope oh. they get a lot of exposure and can um, draw a bit more money so they 
that can support them. And obviously a lot of them are working, like you said, and hopefully a lot of them get time off, and which has been an issue in the past. Yeah, but we talked last a episode, I think, on our Newcastle's uh, director of football talking about parity with regards to women's pay and men's pay, and that's the goal. And they said it's not obviously going to start straight away, but hopefully something that happens sooner rather than later. Um, Maroon squad uh, have invited nine of their under-18 team, sorry, nine of their under-19 representative team to try and crack the senior squad. And the entire list of 34, again, is up on uh, nrl.com. All the big names that are usually there are there and a host of very exciting youngsters uh, that are coming through. So the Queensland versus New South Wales women's series, hopefully soon. It's not this year because they have any games. Um, Will be closely fought and bit of contest as per usual. All righty. NRLPA. All right. Transfer so windows. Yeah. So we've had, what, five weeks of this transfer season. Start off November 1st and fans can pretty much see what their 2023 squad's going to look like already because there's been so much play mm-hmm. and movement. Um, the NRL CEO, Andrew Abdo and Peter Vlandis have said that changes may be made. However, it seems as though the RLPA, Rugby League Players Association, aren't that keen on any proposed changes to the transfer market as it stands at the moment. And the NRL can't do anything without the player's approval to make the change because it's part of the collective bargaining agreement. So the collective bargaining agreement present expires at the end of 2022. So it's important to get the talk starting now to avoid uh, any consequences. It'd be called a lockout, which is what's happening in Major League Baseball at the moment when they, where they can't agree on pay and shared revenue from TV broadcast and all that sort of stuff. And if the union, the rugby league union and the NRL can't work something out and one of them wants to stand off, that's the worst case scenario. So that's why you start talking a year in advance, year and a half in advance. So Clint Newton, the RLPA boss has said, the issue is there hasn't been a concrete laid out set up idea of how a transfer window or a trade and transfer window would work. There's been talk about it. There's been comparisons mm-hmm. to the Super League. There's been comparisons to other sports, but nothing that would work presently for the NRL and Rugby League in Australia. So they're happy as it is right now. Uh, it's very much in the players' favour at the moment and player agents. So you could see why the clubs and the NRL probably want to look at a different way of doing things. But usually Clint Newton says we'd be open for ideas. This sounds more like until there's something concrete and laid out, we're not really interested in talking about it at all, which is... Mm. So it seems like it, even if it does, it's good to talk about it because even if it does come, it's going to take a lot of massaging and it's not going to probably not going to work straight away. Massaging. But- that's the those are those third party deals. <laughs> Everyone gets free massage, but I don't know. Like it's pretty much just putting a time frame on it from November first to an end date. Yeah, really. At the moment, there's not really any end date until the season starts again. Then you have to wait till November first again. 
And I think the big thing is you can't negotiate till you're off contract. I think that's a big thing. That that yeah, will need so to if change. I'm, if I'm off, if I'm off contract at the end of 2022, and I can't negotiate until the end of 2022, I've only got two months to find a new home, yeah. move my whole family, do all that sort of stuff in two months. The yes. club can't. The club, the club like banking on Smith, right? Can't with Brendan Smith like Melbourne were. We want him. And then if they find out in November that he's going to somewhere else, they've got a month and a half to find another hooker mm-hmm. or a backup hooker or something like that. So actually doing it this way is good for the club because now they've got a whole year to look ahead. Go, well, Brandon's gone. We can find someone to replace him, train him up over this next year. So it's good for the club doing it a year in advance as well as the play. You can see their long jeopardy. It's good in that way. The downside is we're paying this guy... 600k this year mm. knowing that he's not going to be as here as was, so it doesn't matter it's the same as yeah. what he was doing last year yeah it's it exactly is but you could year. also then be saying all right if he's not going to be here next year can we find someone cheaper than him for this season and just move this you're guy still on a next year, year. Really? why would you do that he's better no no but like it you can you can look I, for that I, I think there's enough advantage. players there's no way in hell i'd be i'd be playing brendan smith any day of the week he's a dalian hooker of the year Playing. Yeah, but Melbourne Storm aren't going to be playing him as hooker. Um, no, well, they well they were all of last all of last year. Smith, that's uh, true, but, come off the bench, and that was also Grant coming I'd back from same. injury for a bit. I, I, I'd be saying like if I've got a six hundred k second rower, and I've got a three hundred k second rower, I can find one, and there's not a big enough difference between the two where they're going to win or lose the game. It's just maybe the player is more senior than the other one. That's why he's on the bigger money, whatever. I'd be looking as a club to move the more expensive player on earlier to get this person in and free up 300 grand if I can. Um, I, I was thinking about that with regards to that not enough time between November 1st and the start of next season. I'm warming and warming to the idea of a mid-season state of origin international fixture window and that's when the transfer window can start so you've got from then till the next year it's only a six-month period so you're not signing entire season beforehand it allows players it allows fans to give a goodbye to a departing player knowing that they've got 12 games left or whatever um it gives that extra few months for the players to get everything set up and the clubs to get everything set up. And it also opens up an opportunity to trade a player for a six month period to strengthen a team or save salary cap for someone else. I like that sort of middle ground. I don't think it'll get to that, but no, because then and origin, you want all the hype to be origin and now all of it's going to be taken away and saying, going to put all these origin players that don't want to talk about transfer when they're in the origin camp and then all the cameras ask instead of asking them. No, I mean, I'm just saying it opens and it doesn't have to be done in that time. It just opens. You want all the NRL need all the hype and everything focused at state of origin at that period of time. That's the biggest draw ticket in rugby league right now. Yeah. I still think it'd stay like that. It's, it's big enough that it would override this other stuff. And. Because when, at the moment, when do they, can they not talk about it anymore? And until November the 1st, is it the start of the season next year? Then you can't discuss until November the 1st. When's the, when's the current end date? For? For 
trading and just kind oh, of transfer. They say you're not allowed to talk until November 1st. Yeah. Then when's it finished? Let's have a look. I never remember the end date. No, so, I don't know. Like, I know signing a year in advance, obviously the Dolphins coming in have driven a lot of this as well because they're looking to sign people for 2023. Yeah. And then, you know, Smith goes up and meets them and then he meets all these other teams. Well, when are you going to be in 2023? A lot of people are pushing the buck. He doesn't really have to make a decision right now. Yeah, true. But, um, oh, um, but I know what you're saying about like the fringe, maybe a fringe second row. Like Ray Stone signed on for the, the Dolphins. Yeah. You know, but they, you know, they're going to lose Reed Money now. They're losing Ray Stone. So they might, they could probably look at putting Ray Stone on, uh, off loan for another, a year. But I guess Dolphins don't come in next year. So it's probably a bad example. But if you have a player like, like Smith or Felice Cafusi or something, you'd definitely be playing this year. Absolutely. Because you're not going to get um, replaced with anyone better. Yeah. That's like, yeah, you're looking at your a lead up there. 30th trade deadline. Oh, it's, that's the trade deadline. And then trade like, periods. I'm probably jumping into your um, <laughs> NRL player signings, but, you know, Coruscant's on the move. I'd be yeah. keeping Coruscant there, train up your next hooker. Um, what's it, who, who they got there? Oh, that's been really interesting, actually, reading the social media stuff around Coruscant because it seems to be... He seems to be the only Penrith player that's leaving that the, not the majority, oh, I guess it is, but more, I'm seeing more Penrith fans happy to see him leave than other players that are leaving. I think it's just because it wasn't in the media. Like no one knew about it until it dropped. It was kept under the, kept quiet the way it should have been done, wasn't publicised. I think it was more the fact like a kick out. He got the, the photo got released and it pissed off all the Panther supporters. Where Coruscant was just, oh, he signed. I didn't even know he was looking. But I was saying that more Penrith play, more Penrith fans mm. were happy to see Coruscant go than upset that he was going, which I was surprised about. Um, yeah, okay. But that was just from what I saw online in the, on the rugby league social media sites and that sort of stuff. A lot of people were just waving bye-bye saying, that's fine, see you later. Um. <laughs> And I think a lot of the off-field stuff is really pissing enough, uh, pissing off some of the Penrith supporters. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so pre-season trials have been uh, laid out. So full fixtures for every match for your team. Um, as it's announced, that's through Zero Tackle. They'll be keeping up to date with everything there. So the first week of trials will be happening the second week of February. Um so, yeah, second week, obviously, with the Indigenous All-Stars and Mary All-Stars, and then the actual club versus club games, Roosters and Raiders, uh, Tigers and Seagulls are both February 18, so the week after, and then Canterbury and Newcastle on the 21st. So there's three weeks of fixtures up there covering most of the teams. Not every team has uh, trials locked in yet, so Broncos don't, Titans don't, Storm don't. Warriors, Cowboys, Eels, Penrith. All the rest have trial games locked in, obviously against each other. Um, so if you want to have a squiz ahead to your team to see who they're taking on in the preseason, you can do that and what ovals that they're at. Because a lot of these do go to some of the smaller ovals in and around Sydney, if it's a Sydney club. Just having a look through here, 
There's one in Mudgee, two in Mudgee, uh, Leichhardt Ovals being quite heavily utilised, Central Coast Stadiums Central Coast. being quite heavily utilised. So jump on if you're a Sydney-based club. Um, the only non-Sydney-based clubs there, oh no, there's two, is Newcastle and Canberra. They do have games locked in. So Zero Tackle is your best website, I think, to keep up to date with all that sort of stuff. Um, especially if you're keen to see what youngsters your team might be parading out there or what new signings uh, may be running out to start building some chemistry and uh, combinations, all that sort of stuff. Um, all right. This is kind of a weird kind of off story, but it looks as though Greg Alexander might be jumping in opposite Paul Kent as the NRL 360 host. Uh, we know Ben Iken went to Brisbane Broncos. Yvonne Sampson came and took his spot. She's off on maternity leave or will be off on maternity leave. Looks as though Greg Alexander will be jumping in opposite Paul Kent. Yeah, that's a, I guess it's a fitting fit. A fitting fit? <laughs> a tailored fitting fit? fit. A good, tailored fit. Is, I guess it's you pretty similar it. to Ben Iken. You could say it's, it's on brand. Similar to ben it's on brand. Put <laughs> Brandy um, and... I, I could just yeah. see Kent going on a roll and Brandy just leaning back with his hands in front of his face, just laughing, going, no, 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 no. You're crazy. No, I hope so. You didn't put Kent in his place. Oh, God. That Batuta advocate. I never watched that show. That show yeah, is just, it's just a whinging show. They just whinge for half an hour. Pretty and much. And they just whinge at each other. It did pick get... up once Samson went on there because she lightened things up and looked at it from more of a human point of view. Rather than just a, yeah, like you said, negative robot Nancy sort a negative, of point of view. Yeah, they're all um, just, you know, it's not those two, it's the um, journalist, that Buzz Rothfield, the guy that looks like he's about to die, the old fella. Yeah. He's like, I mentioned that, yeah. Football. Yeah. Uh, Buzz killed This guy about to die. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, my, my whispers have told me that, and it's like one out of 10 news stories he gets right. Oh, and he whinges about oh yeah, people. Oh, they, they shouldn't they be having speak a beer. Too like, loud. What did you do back in your day? You would have had you'd have played a game, you would have got hammered afterwards, and you'd have been drinking all night, and they and he gets up one person from having a beer, and it's like, it's hey, like he would have been hammered on the field. Like physically. Oh, absolutely. It's like the old fellas are more weaker than the um you know, young generation coming through that whinge about more. So Yep, hundred percent. So one of my favourite stories that comes out each year, except for last year because COVID shut them down, is the it's the hard labour story that comes out of Melbourne. So yeah, if you, yeah, if you haven't heard about this, Melbourne Storm run a new recruit work program. So any player who is new to the Storm takes on a two-week, so two 40-hour work weeks where they go out and work at specific businesses that the Storm's partnered with to give them perspective about what the real world's like. If you weren't a professional rugby league player, this is something you may be doing. So don't throw it away through dumb decisions, work hard, all that sort of stuff. And there's a, a bigger story than usual up there because there's two years worth of their um, new players are out there at the same time. So they got the guys from last year who didn't get to do this. So the new recruits from last year are doing it this year as well. So there's 13 players out and it's written from Melbourne Storm's point of view. So it's written like 
13 of our new boys ventured out into the world of full-time labor-intensive work. So it's written as a story or a day in the life of, and it's brilliant. So Craig Bellamy started this 18 years ago and they make an emphasis of, it doesn't matter if you've played 250 NRL games or you're going to be a debutant, every new recruit to the Storm does this. And yeah, it doesn't matter who you are. Yeah, it does not matter. So the list of players uh, this year are a bunch of new guys that have come from Sunshine Coast Falcons. Then obviously you've also got Jaden Nicarima and Xavier Coates and Nick Meany, who have all got NRL experience. So they've just got a brief thing. So at the moment they're working out at a race course, out at, which one was it? Werribee. Werribee. Was it Werribee? Yeah, Werribee. Yeah, cool. There it is. Get up at a gym session from 5 to 6.30. Then they go off to their work site where they clock in till about 2 p.m. And Bellamy makes sure it's all, is all work must be hard, outdoors and labour intensive. So they're not going to an office and doing numbers and spreadsheets for the day. So at the moment, like I said, oh, Kieran said, sorry, their groundskeepers at Werribee Racecourse. So they're out there till 2 2 p.m. They head back to Amy Park where they end the day with meetings and then conditioning. So two training sessions a day with a labour-intensive workday in the middle. And they do that for two weeks. Um, There's also a no player left behind, which is an initiation tradition. So if you do miss your two weeks for any reason, say it's injury when you come to the club, you do it the next year. So no one ever misses out on doing it. And there's some awesome feedback from the players there about what they're doing. Um, Talking about what they've been doing at Werribee Racecourse, they had to move the entire fence out uh, to do maintenance on the inside. And that's a pretty damn big job. It's freaking... I wish more clubs, more professional clubs did stuff like this. And I'm sure they do. It might just not be as well known. But it's... I think the best story I've heard from is George Rose, who went down there to play the Storm, just hated it. Absolutely hated it. <laughs> it's not modeling budgie smugglers. He's not interested. But oh, yeah, no, it's, it's a good yeah, thing Craig Bellamy's put in place because he says, yeah, it's not the be, on, be all and end all being a footy player. And uh, what else did he say? He said, it gives, a, gives them a bit more perspective on life. That there's more than footy out there. And there's a lot of people that view what they do as very important. Not 100%. Are, yeah. And even the little things that the players are saying, the ones that have come straight from school into, say, a rugby league program, on a day as busy as this, having to pack their own lunches, pre-planned dinners for the for three days ahead of time because you're not going to have time each night to cook or you're going to be too exhausted or little things like that and looking at um, time management and micromanaging and multitasking and all this sort of stuff that comes with experience usually. And you're not going to get a lot of that experience once you start your rugby league career. So a lot of the stuff's looked after for you. So yeah, it's, it's an absolute awesome read. And there's, there's videos of a bunch of the players um, on there. I'll throw one at you, Kieran. Where would somewhere be that you would just hate to go for two weeks? But say you're a, a pro football player and your club sends you out there, what would be the worst place they could send you to fit the description of what they the storm require <laughs> um oh i don't know i wouldn't mind doing 
any of it really, actually. Okay, yeah, well, that's a what are they doing? You're doing concrete as plumbers. Yeah, I work. My my current work's not very physical, so I wouldn't actually mind getting out there and doing something again. <laughs> you you like make other people do the physical part. You just tell them what to do. Yeah, I, yeah, that's right. <laughs> project manager, I manage the project. I don't do the stuff. <laughs> oh man, I, I would hate doing. Um, I think fencing. I would hate if I'm having to dig the holes and lug the things around and fence it all up. I'd probably hate doing that, like farm fencing. Or, um, I miss doing farm fencing, doing the cattle fence and stuff. I used to yeah, do but that. for two I weeks. Miss that. Well, I reckon I could be a, a farm hand or a cattle hand for two weeks. You get a variety of work. Yeah. But I'm thinking, like, if you give me one thing to do, concreting for two weeks, I would hate. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably enjoy it for a day and then I'd get over it pretty quick. Yeah, that's what I mean. I just, like, just keep thinking, I'm going to be a pro player. I'm going to be a pro player. <laughs> Once you get there and work and all yeah. that sort of stuff. All right. Digging holes. Yeah, screw digging holes. They're all kind of like the rugby league wide stories. So we've got a bunch of just club stuff here before we get into transfers and all this sort of stuff. And because we haven't had a show for a week and a half, some of this is pretty old news for some of you, but Tom Trebojevic had another honour to his list with the New South Wales Player of the Year, uh, which makes sense being awarded the 1st of December, six months after State of Origin. But anyway. Yeah, I don't know um, why New South Wales is doing awards now. Yeah, bloody hell. So it was a gala dinner down at the Star Casino. Uh, it was also Bob Fulton's 75th birthday, if he was still with us. So let's just say Tommy Trebojevic had a pretty damn good season for him, uh, for himself. Yep. So it's his 13th gong for the year. Yeah, not not half shabby. So a bit of good news there for uh, Manly. Toru Harris has been named the fifth captain for the New Zealand Warriors. Um. Which is awesome. So sorry, the twelfth. Wow, the club's twelfth in history. Why the don't fifth I in, since two thousand five. Since two thousand five, yeah, I forgot to say that bit out loud. I was just reading it inside my head. Sixteen years. Yeah, the club's twelfth in history. So we, I still, we still talk about Tori Harris as one of the most underrated players in the in the comp, and it's not with regards to talent, or maybe not underrated but maybe undervalued in the public eye or there's just never a fuss made yeah. about him because he's so good at what he does and he's always been so good at what he does yeah he's consistent but i think in 2021 was one of his best years he's had since being over the warriors definitely he had, he had blinded this year and he would have been my pick for captain to replace rts as well so i don't see anyone else over there fitting the bill like he does he leads from the front and pretty sure he's might have captain a couple of times this year or yeah, vice captain. Yeah. 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 So no, he, had a, he had an awesome year this year. He's in my fantasy and he was killing it in that as well. So he just he's done a lot of hard work. He's an awesome player. Totally deserves it, I reckon. Um, does your wife know that Toy Harris is in your fantasy? Oh, she knows there's a few guys in my fantasy, so you talk about your fantasy <laughs> team, of course. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, oh yeah, regularly really fantasy team. That's right. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, do you have the do you have anything about Toru Harris open at the moment? Or anything about the Warriors? So I just want to ask you a question with regards to the captains. Oh, no. What can can you name the past three Warriors captains? I gotta tell you, there's not a lot of clubs that are gonna have a lineup like this. RTS? Yeah. 
Uh, his last one before RTS. Who was? So they've yeah. had they've had long Simon serving Mannering? leaders. Yes, yeah, Simon Mannering. He was would have been. Was there someone between him and? No, before uh, RTS. Because Mannering was there for a long time. Yeah, Mannering was there for ages. Yeah, so they've had long serving so, captains generally. So five in yeah no five in sixteen years. That's average of three. Mannering was there for ages. Before that would have been Steve Price. Yeah, there you go. And then before that, God, I won't even know. Stacey Jones. Jones. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. But that's not five and five. No, Ruben, would it be Ruben Wiki? He went back there, didn't he? Ruben Wiki. That's why Mannering was there for a long time. That's what I mean. Like, that's a pretty good look. Steve Price, Simon Mannering, Tumbasashek, Tohu Harris. It's a. Ryan Hoffman. There you go. Oh, really? Yeah, he was in between Mannering and RTS. Ah, they didn't even mention him on the article. Poor. Let's have a look. That's oh, down a bit. Oh, they've got the whole list. There we go. Yeah, Harris, two of us, Ryan Hoffman. Oh, it's only for one season. That's right. Between Manor yeah, and two of us, Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, because they, the article's talking about long-serving captains. So before Steve Price. Oh, Monty Beetham. Of course. Stacey Kevin James. Champion? Campion, yeah. Kevin Campion. Um, and Stacey Jones, co-captains. Yeah. <laughs> John Simon, Matt Ridge. Steve, Stacey Jones only a captain for one year. Ah, look at that. Oh, as he just wasn't captain most of his playing time. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. So well done to Harrison. A little bit of um, Warriors trivia for us at the same time. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. So um, there's a fair few stories. Talking Craig Alexander, he was there as well. Yeah. So we'll link, we'll link a bunch of these tiger stories together. So at least they're a bit better than um, the stories a couple of months ago. Yeah, hundred percent. So I, I like Tim Sheens has been brought in, which we've talked about. But something I think Maguire and the playing group are really going to appreciate from Tim Sheens is he doesn't mince his words; he speaks his mind. And mm. he came out during the week in an interview with the Daily Telegraph, talking about what the expectations, etc., are. And he's talked about everyone's under pressure. It's a results-driven business. And there are a lot of NRL coaches under pressure. He mentioned Barrett, Peyton, and then obviously Michael Maguire. But he says, you actually embrace it, but don't catch a rack that way. You can't panic. Madge has got to improve as simple as that. So as a coach, that's, I think, what Madge wants to hear. It's not, oh, we'll see how things go. And we've got a general idea of what we want and rah, rah. Mm. We've got to improve, and that's the expectation. And obviously, he also made mention that the players do enjoy playing for Maguire. They're happy with him there. And he also said that Jackson Hastings will most likely be the starting half with Luke Brooks, uh, with Adam Dewey recovering from an ACL injury. But he said, yeah, they looked oh, really okay. good. They'll start together. Um, that's just how it's going to be. And I think for a club at the tie, like the Tigers and how they've been so consistently inconsistent, that's exactly what they need. Yeah. I think bringing Tim Sheens in was a, was a good move. He's won their only premiership. He's won, I think, four as a coach all up. Um, he's, he's already, his influence there has already brought in a few good signings which they desperately needed because then mm-hmm. going into next year, they still haven't even spent a million dollars worth of their salary cap. 
Well, so, you may mention saying that they don't actually have as much salary cap as people think they do, which I, I hate a lot of numbers. I want the everyone's even contracts. Yeah, everything or even contracts and that people say you sign for eight hundred k. I doubt like kick out even wouldn't sign for that. There'd be a range, and they always report the highest number. Yeah, 100%. you'll never find out what the actual figure is unless he tells you himself. But you know, like yeah, since his since him coming there, it's definitely turned around because a few months ago the Tigers looked very very bad. I wouldn't want to go there as a player, that's for sure. Yeah, but now they're actually starting to pull a couple of good signings. I say for Puffalohi. Coruscant, uh, they got Peachy. They brought um, Benji back as well to help. So slowly starting to turn around a little bit. Um, but yeah, like I said, it is a results-driven business, and the best way to get the meter off your back is to start winning. And I think another thing, having someone that's willing to go on the front foot and speak their mind to the media takes that pressure off Maguire having to do it because. Yeah. It was only ever Maguire talking on behalf of the Tigers last year. And while trying to coach at that club, he was, he was answering stories on the direction of the club and all this sort of stuff, which he shouldn't even have to think about. So I think that's going to be a, a huge say for him. And you mentioned the signings of Coruscant and Papalihi and James Tamo talked about it shows that the club's on the right track and the Tigers as a club were out at Campbelltown Hospital through the week, hand out Christmas presents to all the uh, sick and injured kids in the children's ward. So awesome to see uh, from the week. Yeah, side. Have to get there. through twenty. Have to get through twenty twenty two though without those new signings. Yes, yes. And talking about those sort of signings, I said we'll stick with the Tigers. So we know that Luciana Leilua is going to the Cowboys as of twenty twenty three. However, the Cowboys yeah. are uh, looking at try and get an early release so he can come there in 2022 for this season. So previous to this, he was happy to play for the season. This kind of looks as though it's being pushed by the Cowboys um, as opposed to Leilua himself. So they formally requested Leilua be released by the Tigers. However, the Tigers wants something in return. And... Which, which makes sense if they're going to lose a player a year early. Um, even if, say, Cowboys pick up the salary for him, that could work, but they'll need a player to take um, his spot. So what the Tigers yeah. have asked for were Jeremiah Nanai and Helium Lukey in return for the early release of Leilua. And the Cowboys rejected that request, in my opinion, as they should. Um, well, yeah, well, I'm off all with the Tigers there. If you want my player early, give me two of yours. You yes. want it, you pay us. Yeah, pretty much. And I, I, watching what the Cowboys have done with their young talent over the past five, six, eight years, hopefully this shows that they're learning or have learned their lesson. They're not going to let a Brandon Smith or a Kalen Ponga or a Vilami Kikau go they'll do whatever they can to hold on to them. Um, I wouldn't be letting go of Nano or Lukey, although we know Lukey's name was already floating around with the West Tigers looking to sign him anyway. Mm. One uh, of them might have to get Luciano there. Or... Yeah, I, I, if I was a Cowboys, I'd just hold, hold on to those players that I've got, do the best I can this year, 
develop Lukey and Nanai as best I can. And hopefully they'll be long-term parts of the Cowboys and then get Leilu with the season after. To me, that'd be the best case scenario for the Cowboys and look to cut salary elsewhere or shift other players. So I think Lukey and Nanai both have what some of the other young forwards that the Cowboys have plus extra little things like the um, ability to beat the one-on-one tackles, the offloads, that little X factor stuff that can be developed uh, over time. Yeah. I think there's some of their other younger. So your they're good play- oh, Yeah, they're good players. They do their job, but you can find them in the Q cup sort of players. And you can like your Josh Kerr's down at uh, St. George and your Jermaine Jolief, that sort of player. Um, yeah yeah so things could change as well if there's movement at the bulldogs and this takes us from tigers to bulldogs so bulldogs are looking to try and offload nick kotrick and there's two clubs that seem to be at the head of that pack it's canberra or west tigers so say kotrick goes to uh canberra then canberra would be looking at probably moving on simonson who would then go to the Parramatta eels Okay, so that's not going to help out the West Tigers. However, if Kotrick goes to the West Tigers, they'd be more likely to let go of Leilua a year early because Kotrick's on 600,000, the same as what, uh, sorry, which is a little bit more already than what Leilua's on. And they'd need to open up salary cap to be able to fit Kotrick in. So there's yeah. a chance that then they'd release Would Kotrick Leilua. demand 600. No, Kotrick's already yeah. on. He has to be paid. He's still got two years remaining on his contract. Yeah, so who will pay that? The uh, Bulldogs pay the difference. They want to. No, win. if Kotrick, if Bulldogs are trying to move Kotrick out because they yeah. want to fit, theirs isn't so much a salary cap thing. It's just positions. Yeah. If they're trying to move him out, they are looking for a club who want to take him at the contract hit that he's at. Um, they may chip in say fifty or a hundred thousand if that's what it takes. But even then, if Kotrick goes to the Tigers, they're still forking out 500, 550k for Kotrick they're going to have to find that money somewhere. And it could be Depends releasing Leilua early um, mm. if he's already going the next season. So it's int- one thing that this transfer system does make is interest with how these dominoes can fall with regards to players. I think Bailey Simonson will be a big loss for Canberra. As a player on the field, off the field, mm. he's very outspoken. And he's made some probably not uh, the smartest decisions on social media and the stuff that he's supported and said. Um, well, I still think Kotrick's an upgrade on him, though. So he goes, and Kotrick's from Canberra, so he's gone back home. Yeah. And, and obviously but, yeah, his Kotrick's, form has dropped. Kotrick's only 20. Dropped. Yeah, he's yeah, so he's, young. He's only 23. Yeah. He's only 23. He's a giant. He played for New South Wales. I think that's where he got a lot of hype, and then he went to Bulldogs. But, you know, everyone's gone to Bulldogs has struggled. Yeah, that's the, the big, that's the big difference. You know, you, you put Kotrick in, in any other team, probably go pretty good. If so, he never left Canberra, imagine where he'd be at now. Because he was like making all the that gun, back line. Yeah. He was the gun. He was the go-to in that back line. Uh, him and, him and yeah, Rapana. Like Corey okay. Allen was awesome at the Rabbitohs, and he's gone, they've gone to Bulldogs, both out of favour. Paul Flanagan. You know, everyone's gone down, but they've got a lot of new signings now. So hopefully well, it'll probably turn around a little bit. So if Kotrick does stay there in the next year. It'll be interesting to see how he goes with the new, all the new recruits there. 
and um, you know the different systems Gus has brought in. So he might go better next year, but if they're trying to push him out, then yeah, like, like you said, his value's dropped. Is another team going to be willing to pay 600k for him? No, and I don't think he'll be able to demand it either. For his next season, yeah. uh, depending on what these next two That's seasons, right. how these next two seasons go. Uh, last one with the West Tigers. So it's it's hard to put how much it's hard to put stock into these rumors or to know how accurate they've been. But with regards to Storm looking to shit Brandon Smith a year early, um, not so much for a salary cap thing, but looking more of a as a trading piece. So similar to what they did with Momorowski and Harry Grant. Uh, and funny enough, it's the West Tigers involved here. So West Tigers have signed Coruscant, but that doesn't start till 2023. So they're going into 2022 with, I believe, Jacob Little and Jake Simkin as their two dummy halves again, which they kind of played a half a season each, basically, based on form and injury. Brandon Smith would be an upgrade on both of them, obviously. However, the Storm seem to have asked for Stefano Udomecano in return, which the Tigers um, denied straight away. Let's say second row. Uh, uh, Second row props. Yeah. Because I think the underlying thing here is the Storm have said they're going to remain loyal to Ossofa Solomona. However, when it comes to January... It, it, it's pretty much done and dusted between Asafa Solomona and the Storm. He wants to stay. The Storm want him to stay, but he needs to be vaccinated. And he's very, he's made his opinions very much known. So Storm is still holding out hope that he will get his first vaccination before Christmas. If that doesn't happen, Asafa Solomona won't be a Storm player next season. Um, he's not allowed to go to training right. or anything like that until he gets vaccinated. But the RLPA and how they're looking at handling things with the NRL, Storm would be well within their rights then to cut the contract um, and move on. Because they'll be playing, they'll be paying, sorry, they won't be paying, they're allowed to not pay them, but it'll be counted as a roster spot that they could use for yeah. somebody else. And that's the issue. So that's I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah, right. The other player Thanks. that's been involved for the storm is luke thompson from the bulldogs now this one's kind of been on and off on and off the issue with how much the issue is with how much money luke thompson's on compared to asafa solomona uh thompson's out here on big money when bulldogs sign i believe eight hundred thousand ish uh, along those lines Jeez, which is had two contracts do that <laughs> sorry no uh that's that's obviously a lot for a um a lot a for prop, and a lot especially for luke thompson yeah. I'm just trying to have a look here with regards to highest paid players. I just want to get his. He's a decent player last year. But yeah, he's a decent player. I don't know if he's. Definitely would be paying him one of the top props, but. Yeah, where are we here? 800, 800. What's his name? Luke Thompson. Uh, Luke Brooks. Or, uh... Yeah, either way, he's on more than Asafa Solomona is. Sofa Solomona, oh yeah, 675 for Sofa Solomona. Luke Thompson there, 725 is what Zero Tackles got him listed as. Um, so it's a 100K difference. Oh, sorry, 675, yeah, 50K difference. But if the Storm are balking at it, then I wouldn't be surprised if there's more than 50K difference because we don't know, obviously, yeah. the exact figures. Real figures. Yeah. That'd be 
If I was a Storm fan, I'd be happy enough with that swap. Obviously, Sol- Solomona has things that no one else in the comp has, which is the size, um, offloading ability at that size, and he's also got a motor. It's a pretty rare package, but Luke Thompson is a damn decent prop in his own right. So yeah. I guess we'll, we'll know more about that when it comes things, closer to Christmas. Hmm. Um, Gold Coast Titans, unfortunately, at training have suffered another injury setback with Tino Fasamawali sidelined for a couple of weeks after sustaining a knee injury. So he joins Jermaine Jolief um, with a setback in his preseason preparations. So don't worry, Titans fans. It's not that bad. No. Just precaution. He's all good. Our boy Tino. Uh, high grade, <laughs> high grade one MCL injury in an accidental collision. So he's going to spend the next fortnight in a brace um, to allow his body to heal up as best it can. Uh, obviously not ideal, but like Karen said, not too serious. So we've got a fair, a fair time until uh, the new comp. But just something to keep an eye on, Titans fans. So Aaron Booth, Paul Turner, and Sasefo Fafida are all injured at the moment as well. Um, I think that's it with regards to club news outside of actual signings and any other rumours and all that sort of stuff. So two pretty random stories first. Um, Nathan Peets, do you know he's playing in France at the moment? Just wanted to throw that in there. Did not? (laughs) No, he came (laughs) to the UK. So, yeah, he left the Titans. He didn't get another NRL team pick him up. He went to join Lee Centurions in 2021, uh, but ended up playing more games for Huddersfield. And then he wasn't able to stay at the Giants because of quota restrictions. And then he had talks with South at Red Devils. That broke down. So now he's playing in the French Elite Championship um, for Albi. And this is the same Elite Championship that's... Uh, James Maloney's now playing in and in his first game, James Maloney kicked the winning field goal for his French team and I've got the translation here which is Lesignan Corbiers I just tried replicating from Google Translate um, Old beers Yeah, something like James that James Maloney's just a winner, he loves winning Oh, oh. This is and I, I spent 15 minutes before the show trying to find a game summary of his first game because his team won 19-18 in extra time when he kicked the field goal, right? Now, I'm going to read this out and see, can you do the maths for me? Because it got me all confused when I was doing it all. All right, here we go. Maloney kicked five goals, Okay which included yeah, a penalty goal just before halftime um, that gave yeah. his team a 12-10 lead at the break. Five goals. Including a penalty goal. Yeah, so that Just before halftime, they gave... So someone else must have kicked two points, right? That's how yeah. I read that. He kicked three more penalty goals in the second half. It takes him up to 18. Yeah. Right? hmm Yeah. Um. But Maloney then landed two further penalty goals. Okay, so the team's now on 22. Yeah, but the game ended up 19-18. <laughs> so 
I got, uh, you know, because it was like half <laughs> half the articles in French, and I tried to get a Google Translate on it, and it was so hard to find it. Okay, so Maloney kicked five goals. Describe his two of his um kicks twice. Oh wait on, there you go. Place. He kicked five goals, including a penalty goal just before halftime. They gave his team Lesignan a 12-10 lead at the break. So it sounds like a union game. More yeah, than... and three more penalty goals in the second half. So, yeah, that's taken to 18. Lamella took the lead for the first time early in the second half, but only landed two further penalties. Oh, that's just poor journalism. That's what that was. Um, yeah. And so then he, he got every field goal. point for the game. Yeah, just through kicking. By kicking. Yeah. Jeez. So... In the end, there were nine penalty goals kicked and he kicked eight of them plus the field goal is how I read that. Bloody <laughs> hell. What a first game. So there you go. Jane yeah. Maloney and Nathan Peets. There's a connection there. Uh, Tim Laffey has signed a one-year deal with Salford Red Devils in the English Super League. So well done to Tim Laffey. One of those players, kind of like um, Chris and Inu, that was good and you always were waiting for that next step that kind of never eventuated that it just weren't consistent next enough. consistent step yeah that's because i remember the tim laugh he was damaging when he was at bulldogs oh yeah and he's had this awesome years and uh, awesome year or two and then he just sort of fell away from um his form and in his hype and he, he picked up a couple of games at dragons playing well but after that he wasn't he just wasn't consistent was he do you feel as though that's more level. of like a, is rel, uh, relative of the centre position? Because it seems like we talk about a lot of our outside backs who have two seasons or whatever and they're up there and then they just disappear. And when you're thinking of players like Inu and uh, Lafai, centre is one of the weirdest positions in rugby league because early ball one season before another team can scout you or whatever, and you can show them up one-on-one. But the next season, the ball might not even come out to your side. And if it does, if they've done the homework to you, you're offloading it to the winger who's scoring all the tries anyway. And you can like literally just go from a 12 try scorer to a one. I'm I'm thinking of like Jared Croker at the Raiders who we admire for his defense and stuff, but his offense has fallen off a cliff also due to injuries as well. But it's an odd position. If you can't literally create one-on-one all the time, like a Morris or an Inglis, you can become kind of expendable Good pretty problem. quickly yeah. compared to other positions, I think. Um, yeah. That just kind of popped into my head. I don't have any data or anything like that. Um, and probably the last transfer that we'll talk about that flew under the radar is Isaac Lumi Lumi has left the storm. And there's no fanfare about this. He just put a post on his Instagram saying he had to leave Melbourne due to family stuff after two and a half years there. And there's been a couple of pictures of him in what looks like a Bulldogs training kit at Bulldogs training. So he is a Canterbury junior. He was born in Auburn and played for the Barala Bears in the Canterbury competition. New South Wales under-18s and under-20s representative. So... I saw that and went, you know, that's interesting. He's not going to cost much. I'm assuming that Bulldogs can fit him in. But then I looked, these are the outside backs where, that Canterbury have yeah, on the board. So this is just for next year. I didn't look at 2023. But the outside backs, so players that can play centre, fullback, or wing. I didn't include the out-and-out halves like um, Flanagan. 
So you've got Addo Carr, Corey Allen, Raiden Burns, Matt Burton, Nick Kotrick, Matt Dufty, Brent Naden, Jaden Ockenberg, um, Isaac Lumi Lumi, Paul Al Alamoti, who's still on the fringe. And then technically you've got Avarillo and Brandon Wakem. So we'd say after watching the last season, Avarillo will be in the halves. Um, yeah, a lot of people are saying he's best fullback too. As well. Yeah, and that's the thing. Most likely... That's 12 we, names you just ran out. You ran out 12 yeah. names. And then even if the you say... Line. Even if you slot either Avarillo, Burton, or Wakem into 5-8, right? Um, yeah. Or even if you put two of them and have them at halfback in 5-8, you're it's still left with 10. 10. competing for back five. And you're just and like... You're either going to have Avarillo... Or Dufty at the fullback. You can have Adokar and on one wing, and I can't remember who else you said in there, but it's like Adam, you know, Braden maybe Burns, Jay um Brent Naden. Brent Naden. I think and... Tavita Pangai accidentally said the other week that it looks as though it's going to be him, Naden, and Adokar on one edge, is what Pangai yeah, kind so of alluded Naden's to. Naden's a center. They'll play Burton at 5-8, I think. If not, they can always play him at centre. He had a good good season this year at centre. Yeah, so you'd be expecting what Duffy to play at fullback. Yeah. And then, yeah, so you've got a winger and a centre spot over the other side, which is going to be, like you said, it could be Loomy Loomy. It could be Burton. It could be, oh, Cottrick, Braden Burns, Corey Allen. Like, yeah, I put Burns in the centres. So you two centres would be Allen, Burns Cottrick. and Naden. And then Kotrick, Kotrick and, and Adokar on the Adokar. wings. That's a pretty good back line, actually. Yeah. And Flanagan and um, Burton in the half. So, so then that way you haven't found a spot for Corey Allen, Jake Avarillo, Braden Burns, Jay Nockenberg, Brandon Wakem, Isaac Lumi Lumi, or Paul Alamoti. Uh, Avarillo would be number 14. Yeah, it could be. No. Yeah. I don't think he will be after the season he had last year and how many games he started, but. Well, um, we'll no, see. probably one of the best players, but yeah, that's I don't know, they try. I don't know why they want such an outside back. I think I think he wants to put uh full 13 players with outside backs to be the fastest oh. team on the paddock. Oh, yeah, it's just like going back and playing that NRL PC game, yeah, just put like a whole team of Billy Slater's. <laughs> you always won. Um, all right, let's have a look at actual signings. So, Kevin Agamelo, who said last week he was rumored to be signing for the Roosters, he has. Um, so, one year deal by the Roosters. Year, so, a really smart, smart signing there, I think, yeah, for both, smart. both squads. Uh, Ray Stone has become the second signing for the Dolphins. Really like that pickup. Really, yeah, really wouldn't have do. broke the bank. Wouldn't have broken the bank. Uh, really decent play. Wasn't getting a crack at Parramatta with regard, well, because they had Madison, Papalihi, um, is he Sean Lane. No, no, he's a he's a back row. Yeah, he, uh, he's like a I see him as a Victor Radley sort of player. Um, who is Parramatta's backup hooker? Um, I thought it was Ray Stone. No, read my Mitch Kenny was Penrith. Uh, wasn't it a Lussick? A different uh, Joey, it was, yeah. Joey Lussick, was it? They did have a Lussick, yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, he's a utility forward. So I look at him like a Victor Radley sort of thing. So you got him and Kafusi. They're they're building a solid 
as long as there's only two players, obviously. But if they keep going that way with those sort of players, um, you can kind of see very early on what maybe squad they might be looking at. Uh, John Asiata and Bulldogs have parted ways due to his COVID vaccine stance. Wade Egan signed a contract extension to the end of 2024 at the Warriors. And we've said Coruscant has signed a three-year agreement with the Tigers in 2023. And I think we already talked about Blake Braley signed a contract extension through the end of 2026 at the Shire. So you'd assume he's going to be playing dummy half and not Cam McInnes. Um, they forgot uh, man. Up Finuc in there as well. So the will probably think, be playing prop, I'd say. Yeah, most likely. Or yeah, well McKinnis will be coming off at off number 14. Yeah. There's a kind of cute video of uh Finucan putting on the jersey for the first time and Nico Hines is there. Like, Welcome to the club, bro. Finucan's <laughs> like, yeah, looks good. <laughs> Just like, oh I maybe it's they're both new to the club. Um yeah, that is. And uh, with regards to NRLW, our St. George have finalised their squad by signing former Jillaroo Alexander Salusi, um, we'll ju- as long, oh, like, along with Emma Tonegato and Paige McGregor. All righty. Um, all NRLW teams are signed up and ready to rock and roll. So I'm really, really excited about a double comp next year. Didn't talk about the Ponga stuff with regards to the Dolphins because we're probably waiting on a little bit more. Uh, yeah, it's all just rumors at the moment. Yeah. 1.5 million over eight years, wasn't it, or something like that? Six years? 1.5 uh, a season. Yeah. Eight years. Yeah, something like that. I love what Anasta said. You've got to be careful because your value is going to drop off as you go along if you're at a lower club. I'm like, dude, if you signed an eight-year deal at 1.5 a year, his value is going to stay the same. His, his market value might drop off, but he's still going to get paid one and a half mil a season. <laughs> Eight right. years. Yeah. So I thought we'd I'd finish take it up. To what, 28, no, 30. All right. So it's a. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> I could. Um, it, it, see, to me, it's interesting because he said he wants to bring a premiership to Newcastle, but his best mate there, Connor Watson's going back to the Roosters. So. Yeah. Pierce and they, is they gone. Pierce is gone. So, yeah. wouldn't be shocked. Because that was that was always talk that you know if Pierce left and Ponga. Why would he stay? He's, you know the team looked a hell of a lot better every time Pierce played. Uh huh. So, so, I thought we'd finish today's or tonight's episode with a quiz show, and I kind of had one prepared, but then going through zero tackle, they always have these funny little things here and there. So I'm going to take take one. Thank you, Zero Tackle. That was done up by staff writers. And it's just looking at all-time record holders in the NRL. So there's 10 questions. We're going to see. I won't look at it. I'll promise. No, no, it's multiple choice. So we, we can both have a crack. Yeah. And I haven't I, done I, it I yet. I closed the internet. Yeah. yeah sweet as. <laughs> so 10 questions. This is all-time history. Who has kicked the most goals in a single season in first-grade rugby league history? Was it El Mazari in 03, Ruben Garrick in 2021, Brett Hodgson in 2005, or El Mazari in 2004? So I know yeah, Garrick wrote the point scoring season. record. Yeah, but he also but scored, he scored a buckload of tries. But so did Manly. And he kicked at a pretty damn high percentage as well. 
But I'm answering yeah, Manly, uh, Manly had three players score more than 20 tries. Mm. Uh, both wingers. That's a hell of a lot of the hell of a lot of conversions to kick. Yeah, that's also penalties. What? Um, and now Masri was a good try scorer, but he wasn't as prolific as what Manly is. That's 80 points just in um, that's 80 goals. Yeah, this is just so many. Yeah, it's the points scored. Point scored. I mean, so there's many mm-hmm. points. It's still not that much. So it's got three. Is Brad Hodgson just in there as a throwaway? No. What was El Masri's big season that Garrick broke? Was it 03 or 04? We've been nah, screw three. It. I'm gonna go. I think my heart's telling my my head's telling me El Masri 03, but my heart's telling me Garrick. So I'm gonna go Garrick. Yeah, I'll go 03 then. <laughs> All right. So which one am I going to click? We've only got one computer, so we'll see how we go. Uh, oh, what? They don't give me the answer. Oh, we don't get the answers till the end. God damn it. Um, That's right. Keep that in the bank. Yeah, no, I'm just going to have to go. I'm just going to have to write down the answers. El Masri 03 for you. Okay. Which club had the biggest winning margin in first grade history? Canberra, St. George, Sydney, or St. George? So Canberra, uh, St. George Illawarra, sorry, was the first one. Canberra, St. George Illawarra, Sydney Roosters, or St. George Dragons? The biggest winning, winning margin. margin. Game. Yeah. I'll go, I'll go uh, St. George Dragons. Yeah, so am I. Both go St. George. All right. Well, that way before our time. And they yep, really let's just go with them. <laughs> Which team has the longest winning streak in the NRL era? Melbourne Penrith, Storm. Melbourne, Sydney Roosters or Broncos? Melbourne. Yeah. Tied with the Broncos. 75 Roosters. They broke um, Penrith Panthers from 2020. Yeah. All right. Which player holds the record in... I think it's like, I don't know why they have to keep putting in record in there. Which player holds the record in first grade rugby league history for most tries in a season? Raymond Preston in 54, David Brown in 35, Tom Trebojevic in 2021, Alex Johnson in 2021. Well, are they talking about state of origin as well? Do you reckon? I don't know. Alex Johnson had more tries than Tom did. Yeah, that's what I mean. Straight up. So, I'm going to go the um, 1934 bloke. The 35 bloke? 35, because uh, people have definitely scored more than 20 tries. Right. I think Johnson scored more last year, didn't he? Yeah, and I'll go Preston then, 54. <laughs> Unless they were counting Trebojevic origin, which technically is first grade rugby league. So. Yeah, so what are you, you getting? already got two, oh. three and two, five tries? Yeah. Which game holds the record for most points scored in a single game? Dragons Bulldogs in 35, Panthers Eagles in 02, Roosters Cowboys in 07, Knights Raiders in 06. I'm pretty sure that 02 one was Panthers Eagles. That was Eagles' biggest loss. No, it could either be that or it could be like a 30, you know, a 40 to 34 game where that's 74 points. Or it could be like a 60 to 10. No, well, Melbourne did that this year. They got 60 to six. Yeah, I, know, I was 66 just, I was just throwing out. 
maybe a 50 to i'm gonna go knights raiders because they both can't defend as of at the moment which had nothing to do with those six yeah it's like me playing madden i think billy beat me like 84 to 78 we both couldn't defend (laughs) (laughs) yeah um Oh, I don't know. What are the options? I'll go... Dragons, uh, Bulldogs, Pan- Panthers, Eagles, Roosters, Cowboys. No, Roosters, Cowboys. I'll no. stick with C. <laughs> it's always the best bet. All right. Oh, Jesus. It was the last team to go undefeated in a season. Jeez. South Sydney Rabbitohs. They're all um, old school cops. South Sydney Rabbitohs. Yeah, St. George, St. George Dragons, Sydney Roosters, Balmain Tigers. I'm going to lock in St. George Dragons. I was going to say St. George Dragons. Yeah. So can I now change my previous... Rabbitohs would have done it really early. Can I now change my earlier St. George Dragons to something else? I can't remember what the question is, so no. Neither could I. Um, Actually, I'm thinking like St. George wouldn't have done it. They would have done it in what, their 70s? The 80s. No, earlier than that. Earlier than that. But Belmain weren't Bel oh Belmain were down. Uh, I don't know, they're all they're all old clubs. Yeah. Just trying to think when they had their when they had their errors. Like the era. But, but I don't know, I don't think Belmain weren't as dominant as the other two. So I'll stick with St. George. It's all good. Um I'm just gonna skip this one, but which player has played the most NRL games? Gallon, Smith, Lockyer, or Cronk? <laughs> I feel slighted um, that Steve Menzies isn't in, an option. I'm yeah, going to lock in okay, D. Lock Smith. In Smith. Yes, for sure. Which player scored the most tries in their career uh, of the four listed? Brett Stewart, Steve Menzies, <laughs> Hazamel Masri, Brett Morris. Uh, Steve Menzies. Yeah. Uh, Stewart and Morris would have come... Like, Morris was really close, but they both suffered injuries yeah. towards the end. Who scored the most points in first-grade history? Uh, Cam Smith, Jonathan Thurston, Jared Croker, Hazamel Masri. Cam Smith. Yeah. Croker. If he keeps going, actually, might get there. All right. Of the following four coaches, who has coached the most NRL games? Des Hasler, Tim Sheens, Craig Bellamy, Ricky Stewart. What could be Wayne Bennett? Yeah. <laughs> um, I was waiting to see. Far out. Because Sheens coached for so Stewart long, but he's had Bellamy, so long. Yeah. yeah. Bellamy's just yeah, been I, consistent. Yeah. Stewart's jumped between clubs. There's always pretty much had a gig. Hasler's coached non-stop since 06. Yeah, well, Bellamy's really coached non-stop. Well, wait. Smith was there since Smith started. Far out. Yeah. That's four. That's four. Still. Yeah, because he's, he's got four premierships, so he's done Tigers and all that. Ricky Stewart's sort of been in and out as well as origin coach. Yeah. Oh, that was the last one. Raiders, Raiders, Roosters, back to Raiders. I might go, yeah, I'll go Sheens as well. 
All right, two machines. So, a few different. Oh, my gosh. Out of ten, how many do we get? Or how many do I get? Eight. Bonza. That means I've got ten. Close. So, (laughs) most goals in a single season uh, was El Masri in 04. (laughs) So, we both got that one wrong. Oh, what did I say? El Masri 03. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which club had the biggest winning margin in history? It was St. George. It doesn't say what it was. Uh, we both obviously oh, got the what? Melbourne Storm right as the longest winning streak. David Brown has the most. Um... Oh, no, you got that one. I went Preston, yes. didn't I? Oh, you went that one. Damn. <laughs> so I got that one wrong. So you're on. What was that one even for? <laughs> That was most tries in a season. Yeah, right. So you're on three. I'm on two. Somehow. Uh, it was Knights Raiders that had the most points. Yeah. Three all. Yeah. Uh, we both got St. George Dragons as the last undefeated club. We both got Ken Smith as the most games. We got both got Menzies. Um, we both got Smith again. And we both got Sheens. Boom, yeah, Oh, look at that. Man, we're pretty no, good. So the ones that we got wrong was... Uh, one was before the, our the time. Most, the most recent. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. We'll wrap it thank up you. there. Cheers, bro. Oh, um, thank you. Looking forward, to, looking forward to seeing you on Saturday. Hopefully, there's still some cricket left to watch. Um, oh, absolutely. Rain delay helped us. Helped us out, yeah. Just a touch there. So, and did you get to watch the uh, Saudi Arabia Grand Prix? I did not. That was Sunday night. Yeah. I, I watched, I was watching Bathurst all Sunday. Yes, so was I. Did you see what happened? Do was, you know what happened in the Grand Prix yet? I do not. I must watch highlights, actually. Yeah. Watch the mini. It was crazy. First yeah, time they, the every time there's the first time at a circuit, it's crazy. This was crazy, crazy. But yeah, anyway, I'll let, I won't spoil anything then. See you Saturday. Oh. See you everyone else. All right. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio. Be sure to check out Adam's craft beer choice of the week.